0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW Group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
1: Welcome to Houston, PA, Houston's public affairs show, an iHeartMedia broadcast. Our disclaimer says that the opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those held by this radio station, its management staff, or any of its advertisers. My name is Laurent, I am a Texan from France, a proud Houstonian. Uh, I moved here when I was a young man. And uh, I deal with culture shocks all the time in America. It's one of those things about being an expatriate or, or an immigrant. You, Americans just don't realize this. But you're basically walking around, and every day an opportunity from the culture gives you a, a pause and go, wow, that's a, that's a totally different thing. And uh, there's a bunch of subjects that you're not supposed to talk about in certain cultures. Some are taboo here, and they're not taboo in France. You've heard about the beaches in France, maybe. Uh, and there is one subject that is taboo in just about every culture that I know of, and that is dying and grieving. And we're going to talk about how we could do that a little bit better and uh, how interesting all the science that is related to funeral arts. And that is because my guest is Genevieve Kini. She is the president of the National Museum of Funeral History. They are opening a brand new exhibit tomorrow, Monday, July 15th. It's called Icons in Ash. This is the work of an artist who makes paintings of people who are dead. Geneviève, you need to describe this exhibit. It's something that I've never... It's so far beyond anything I've ever considered. At the same time, my instinct is to think that it's absolutely cool. But this artist is doing something extraordinary to remember people.
2: Uh, To really memorialize them and, and, and in a way, bring them back into your life in in, in a physical presence, if you will. Um, It's... um, I'm going to describe my own personal experience with it but i'll back up a little bit and let you uh kind of help you understand the artist a little and how her journey came to be this uh to create this amazing work of art that you're going to be able to see in this exhibition uh entitled icons and ash and it actually was through her own grief and loss of a very dear friends and family um, that she worked through her grief by taking the cremated remains the ashes of the person and creating a portrait of them and it was through this painstaking uh very artistic time frame in actually placing the ashes and the color tones of the ash and isolating them out so that you have different shades of grays whites blacks and 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 cultivating that talent and foresight to see what that was going to perhaps be and before you knew it you were looking at that person through their own cremated remains so it's very powerful when you have the opportunity to see it and my own personal experience was my sister Uh, my sister uh, died in 2006 and she was cremated and for many many years I was so grief-stricken the grief and the loss stayed with me daily um, and, and, and I still today don't go a day without thinking of my sister in some way. But it really wasn't until recently that I was really able to bring my sister back into my life and and be able to have what I would call her presence again. And when I met Haida, Haida Hatchery is our artist, um, or is the artist. Uh, when I met her in New York, I said, I said, you know, I really love your work, and I would love to showcase your work in our museum. And she says, well, I have a problem. She said, "Um, all the work belongs to people.
1: It's very personal, too.
2: Very personal, you know. And I wanted her to be part of our permanent exhibition, uh, The History of Cremation, and showing all the amazing things we can do with our loved ones' cremated remains uh, to continue to memorialize them or to begin that more memorialization process. Uh, and it's grief work. That's how I see it. And I, she said, well, I'm so sorry, but all of my pieces belong to people. And I, I, I cannot offer you anything to put in your permanent exhibition, History of Cremation. And I said, well, let me consult my family and see if we all could come together and find that this would be a, a, an honorable and beautiful way to memorialize my sister. And we all agreed. And I took some of her cremated remains to New York And um, gave them to the artist. And she created this amazing portrait of my sister.
1: So she's in the museum now?
2: Yes, my sister is. Yeah, she's in the museum, and my nephew volunteers at the museum as our archivist. And her son. Yes, her son. And we find it very um, comforting to know that she has a presence with us every day, you know? you know at my workplace Um, but it's so educational at the same time it's educational for people to really see what we're able to do um, you know for our loved one and it's not for everybody. You know? No,
1: and let me say something that that my, my reaction was that's wild. It's just a wild idea. It's just it's it's almost extreme. And I want to make sure yeah. that people who are jumping in on the broadcast this is not a commercialization of the dead. It's a No. this is a it's a it's a system of belief. It's it, it's like an ethnicity basically. It, it relates is. to culture. It is. a
2: cultural thing. Yeah. It's 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 what our religion and cultural beliefs allow us to do yeah. uh, in our lifetime. Uh, and, and really, you know, if you think about it, uh, memorializations, memorials, funerals, all of that is for the people we leave behind. Yeah. It's, it's allowing us the, the, the opportunity, the ceremony, the rite of passage to be able to come together and memorialize somebody to remember the impact they had in our lives. And it's, it's an important ceremony that I think that we all should, you know, at least partake in to some degree, whether it's private or whether it's something that's you know at a large scale, and there's a lot in attendance. Um, and, and you can memorialize consistently throughout your life. Uh, there's always something every year, you tend to probably do something on an anniversary, or if somebody's buried at a cemetery, you go and visit the cemetery. But if they're cremated and they're not in a cemetery, there's other ways to continue to memorialize your loved one. And my sister, we're memorializing her. I also turned her into a diamond. And uh,
1: Okay, and I want to talk about that. But once again, you can see the brand new exhibit, Icons in Ash. It opens tomorrow, Monday, July 15th. At the National Museum of Funeral History, there are online at nmfh.org. nmfh.org, of course, stands for National Museum of Funeral History. My guest is Geneviève Kini. She is the president of the National Museum of Funeral History. And I should say she's ex-Army. Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. And I also want to say that we're proud of her daughter, Cheyenne, who is a Marine. She's a sergeant in the Marine Corps. She just reclassed. So yes. she's basically doubly educated by the Marine Corps, yes. so that she could uh, change career path and do something that she likes a little bit more, I suppose. Presumably,
2: that's the beauty of the military. You know, really, you you have the opportunity to change jobs and get a wide variety of skill sets. I was
1: going to say, is there a job out there that the Army can't? I mean, they even learn how to dig ditches. In fact, that's part of their training. I mean, but yeah, it's it, it is something that we kind of. We take it for granted mm-hmm. that we send off these young people and they learn all these things. And I think one of the, that's part of the reasons that, that why when they come back into civilian lives, some, sometimes they have a hard time finding work. We don't relate or understand what they learn. We don't realize. You're opening a new exhibit called Icons in Ash tomorrow, Monday, July 15th. And uh, it is the work of an artist called Heidi Hatchery. Yes. She's going to be in town in October or so? Or are you hoping? Uh,
2: October, November. We haven't solidified yeah. the date yet, but we recommend everyone keeping their ears posted and their eyes uh, glued to the website, yeah. and uh, we will be announcing it uh, when she will be coming to town.
1: Her artwork is made with the cremated remains of someone you love, and uh, the art is designed to memorialize those people, and Genevieve had her sister memorialized like this. And you mentioned that you had a diamond made. Yes. From her cremated remains. Yes. Now, uh, it's carbon.
2: Yes, and they we put are it in a press. Yes, they subjected it to um, high amounts of pressure and heat and that are obviously the elements needed to create a diamond. And um, yeah, it was about a five-month process.
1: Maybe and- we should go back and explain a little bit about how diamonds are created. Their diamonds are just dirt that has been compressed and heated to extreme. Uh, measures that humans can't relate to we would instantly disintegrate if if exposed to those pressures and heat uh and uh some of them turn green red actually they're one of the most extraordinary oh wait a minute diamond is actually a a, there's a color for diamonds and i never know which one it
2: is well for memorial items well diamonds are white generally you know when people see diamonds they think but a memorial diamond is actually blue really yes
1: why what's in our ashes it's that-
2: uh, something to do with the carbon within our ashes that actually will turn it the, the actual diamond blue so. so it's beautiful oh it's gorgeous we have them in the museum so you can actually see them
1: all right so you mentioned that the process of transforming someone's remains these are ashes these are cremated remains into a diamond takes about five months
2: it takes two to three months it all depends on you know the process the you know, from the time they get the cremated remains um, and by the time you get your diamonds, it's about a five month process. Um, Because, you know, it took her all the way to Switzerland uh, to have this done. And you don't have to go all the way to Switzerland because I was going there to actually learn about the process uh, so that I could actually educate about it in the exhibition, The History of Cremation.
1: Well, can you describe it? What does it look like? There's a furnace, obviously. Or- uh,
2: well, there's different, there's a, a bank of machines, if you will, like yeah. five of them in, in, in a building. And these machines are obviously set to, um, once you build the cell, which is going to house the carbon, which eventually will become the diamond that it's growing. They'll plant, they put a seed, starter seed diamond, if you will, an actual chip of a real diamond so that, uh, it, like I say, it's a starter seed.
1: So it's just exactly like making whipped honey. You need to introduce a drop of water.
2: Correct, you have to it's introduce something in, the in so there. So it's a crystallization yes. in a way. Yes, and then and then you you put the, the carbon um, that they have filtered out, uh, the chemical processing uh, and the physical processing of isolating the carbon from the ashes. Uh, and they put that into a, a, a really small, what I, I would call it like a womb, if you will. Uh, and, but it's called the starter sale. And you put it into the sale of um, the... the I, I don't know exactly how to explain it other than calling it a sale. Yeah. And uh, you'll see it in the museum, um, actually, what it looks like. Uh, and then it's stuck into this huge machine, a really small little apparatus, if you will, stuck into this huge machine that subjects it to the proper temperature and pressure over an amount of time and then the diamond begins to grow.
1: Do you think do you know if they use lasers or anything like that? I know that sometimes for mm. the for extreme heat they can do that. But yeah,
2: not in not in this process. Yeah.
1: How long have they been doing this? How long has it been possible for humans to do this?
2: I think that it's probably been at least ten or fifteen years. Okay, so it's really but new. It's the popularity. yeah, it's really a new concept and and it's not something it's just really starting to take hold as a as 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 a concept of uh, it's almost like adapting to a new way of memorialization um, again we talked about that taboo subject of yeah. death and here we're talking about taking somebody and turning them into a diamond if there's just something there in our comprehensive level yeah that and in our cultures that it doesn't translate over very well so it really becomes something that um, once you're aware then you determine whether it's something that is for you. Yeah.
1: It's these philosophical ideas. These are ethnic ideas. Ethnicity relates to, to culture, right? And yes. And race relates to biology, folks, to, to, yes. to say that ethnicity is our culture. And in America, we have a mix of ethnicities. And I can only imagine that when you describe your funeral and things like this, you get, you get every reaction under the sun. And some of them must be horrified.
2: Well, there are. You, you, get, you get all different levels of reactions. And again, it all goes back to what people believe in yeah. or what people are willing to accept. Uh, what is it that culturally is ingrained within them? And then another whole area that we haven't even touched on is religion, because there's a lot of religions. Talk about culture. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of religious beliefs yeah. that are very against you know doing you know external things, if you will. I'll call it an external uh, uh, act of dealing with the 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 deceased body. And, and so there's certain religious parameters that you must follow, um, you know, and, yeah. and we respect that wholeheartedly. Um, one thing about the museum that I, I, I really enjoy is learning about all of the different religions and cultures and their beliefs and how we are all so different. But yet at the end, death is the equalizer of us all. Um, but we all deal with it differently. And for me, I have a great... Appreciation when somebody comes up with a new concept of how I can memorialize my sister. Yeah. And one of the things people may not realize is: you know, I could take all of my sister's ashes and bury them in the ground, or I could scatter them uh, to the wind, um, or I can continue to do all these other little things because all these things I've done with her so far only require a small amount
1: really how much of of her remains were necessary to make the diamond
2: um they asked for three pounds of her ashes and they were able to isolate enough carbon in a pound and a half so i was able to bring a pound and a half back with me um where i later joined them back with her original ashes in her urn um so everybody's different and if somebody doesn't have enough ash To create that amount of carbon that's needed the wonderful thing that they don't realize is that they can let's say somebody lost their child uh, to uh, an infant that that there may be not enough carbon uh, matter um, available then they can take the hair of the parents and add it to the child or a picture of the
0: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Burn that picture, and that will generate enough carbon. And I learned that over there. I thought it was very fascinating. You can just use
1: it. Oh, yeah. You just need carbon. You so need a carbon, picture.
2: yes. So you can take a family photo or hair. Of, the fa- of family members and yeah. add to that to create enough carbon needed to actually generate a diamond. We haven't so even
1: mentioned this, but obviously we're talking about cremated remains. The The biological matter has been burned, but not completely.
2: What yeah. people may or may not realize, and and again, going to the museum, it's such a learning environment. It's a way to open up your mind and, and, and really kind of step into what I would call behind the scenes of understanding what goes on in caring for our dead and what happens to our bodies. And one of those things that people may not understand is in the cremation process, everything that's of liquid gets burned away. That is completely gone. All that's left over is your bones. Yeah. So uh, DNA is in your liquid uh, portion of your body. Yeah. So, And even the bone marrow within the bone yeah, pretty burned. much It's just, it it's just dissolved. It's yeah. evaporated.
1: I feel like this subject, the the subject of dying and then just to cease to exist except that in reality physically we continue to exist and we sort of get spread out back into nature where we do in fact become something new there there is a life after it i mean this diamond that the fact that you can create something which because is of the earth is yes. extraordinary
2: and, and you know in talking about returning to nature yeah. you know one of the things you also can learn about at the museum is you could become a tree you become the nutrients For the tree oh yeah
1: yeah
2: and you know and and it's interesting because again there's we're heavy on the sciences which is fascinating for people that are you know siren science gurus i'm a science guru i love science Um, but understanding that they have now been able to come up with a compound if you will of of nutrients and soil that you can add your cremated remains to and still be able to provide the nutrients to allow a tree to grow um, I, I think that's fascinating. I mean, there's so many amazing things. If you want to become back to nature, uh, if you want to go into the water, or you want to go into a bio urn and just kind of just become one with the earth, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, you can also do that, obviously, in burial, where you know you just kind
1: of. It's a little yeah. different, it seems. There's a, there's a, there's a. You're protecting the body, especially if it's embalmed, and a lot of religions still do that. I just think it's it's really interesting that obviously our traditions are dictated by the technology which was available to us when, they, when we started these traditions, and uh, with new technology, I think it might be a little bit too late to start new religions, but the, all of these new technologies that are a demonstration of what we are, uh, I think... I think that they're they're going to have a profound effect on us as because this is just the beginning too. I feel like we're just on the cusp of figuring this uh, this oh, stuff. Oh
2: yeah, out. and I mean every day there's there's something new that gets you know uh, discovered or created and and it's and it's fascinating. I mean I, I I really enjoy going to our industry conventions because when we when I step foot onto that convention floor it's like wow what is new now in our industry uh, what have we done to to come up with a, a very uh, either an eco-friendly way of uh, of burying somebody or a more preservative way of providing that closure that families need. You know, we're such a transportable society. And, you know, we're, we're all over the world now. And when a loved one dies and it's unexpected, you you know, you've got to bring people from afar uh, to be able to come in and have this gathering, uh, this ceremonial gathering. Um, goodbye if you will and it's important to be able to preserve that body uh, for the length of time needed to put all of this together you know it's can be quite a huge event Uh, and so therefore you know yes embalming is very important for that uh, to be able to preserve them uh, so that they can you know have that funeral and everyone present.
1: You are listening to Houston PA, Houston's public affairs show. My name is Laurent, and my guest is Geneviève Kini. She is the president of the National Museum of Funeral History, online at nmfh.org. nmfh.org. They are opening a brand new exhibit tomorrow, Icons in Ash. It opens literally tomorrow, Monday, July 15th. Uh, This is a permanent exhibit and it's a temporary
2: exhibit oh man I guess well okay I guess we can word it like this it's a temporary exhibition of her collection okay uh, and it is going to be present for an entire year however her piece she has a couple of pieces that are permanently on display in the history of cremation exhibition yeah
1: and one of them is a portrait of your own sister
2: a portrait of my sister and a portrait of our family cat.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. So that's another thing we haven't talked about. I want to uh, talk. We have a few minutes left, and one of the most interesting uh, resources you have on your website is obituary and eulogy writing uh, advice. And basically it's kind of like a course. And I, I'd like to finish with that because you do this well. It's uh, The museum is an opportunity for us to consider how we deal with death and grief. Obviously when we die, we don't care. And that's the <laughs> that might be the only silver lining, but for those of us that are left behind, it's it's just devastating. It can be a prof- it usually is a profound change if it's someone very close to you. And uh, you've said this very eloquently. We don't talk about these subjects very well. We don't teach each other. We don't teach people how to do it. And so I, th- I feel like most of us feel orphaned. And isn't that exactly how? As a, you're a licensed mortician, by the way, which means that you have dealt with grieving people as they were going through this.
2: I have seen many faces yeah. of grief, and I have seen uh, I have seen families that were very well prepared, and I have seen families that just are totally blindsided by the whole concept. And that's where our profession is very important in helping people, basically, um, you know, holding their hand, if you will, um, figuratively and literally, if needed, uh, through this very difficult journey of dealing with the fact that their loved one has just passed away, whether it's planned or unplanned. It's still going to have a huge impact on you. Um, And and one of the things we don't know is what that feels like if we've never been through it. Um, And every death is different. A death of a a grandparent could have a totally different feel, if you will, um, from a death of a child. Uh, And then there's
1: a death of a pet since you mentioned your cat. And that is a completely different thing. But it is a profound loss as well. Oh,
2: definitely. I mean. For so many people. Yeah. Pets are their people. Yeah. And they're just as important. They're our loved one. They're the family member. And our cat was our family member. He went all the way to Germany with us in fact. <laughs> you know, he he lived a great life and uh and had it had a really profound um, you know, end of life as well. And uh, you know, he and to can you know, to keep, you know, his his memory alive, if you will, um I did have him cremated. Um and, and his ashes put into a portrait of him, and that is also hanging in the museum. And when you see the icons in ash, there are also portraits of other animals in there. Yeah. Um, very fascinating. There's horse. There's a lizard. Uh, there's uh, a rabbit. I mean, just any animal you could imagine can be put into... Portrait. Yeah,
1: but what's extraordinary is that any animal you can imagine at some point is adopted by a human being who has a profound relationship with them. That's just kind of yes. There's something another another thing to contemplate about the species. We're we're the only ones who do this, really. You know, take pets and cross species friendships. Uh, now b- back to the obituary and eulogy writing resources. You have advice on on how people can can structure these speeches. Yeah, They're so difficult. He, it's like oh
2: yeah, my gosh. It's, you know, if you think about it, the ob. An, ob- an obituary is, is, is it's t- to speak about you and your life and the people in your life. And it's an opportunity for you to tell your, a little bit about you and your final story, if you will. Um, it, it can be published in the paper or published online. And, and it becomes a public notice that everybody, even people that don't even know who you are, you know, read about, you know, will read about it. And so I think it's important. A lot of times people never think about their own obituary. It just—I mean—we have a hard enough time thinking about our own death, let alone what is our aerobic going to say.
1: That's a surviving mechanism, isn't it?
2: It is. I think you, it you is. would
1: just grieve and be frightened every minute of your life if you couldn't ignore well, it the way we do.
2: Yes, but if you think about it, we every day we live yeah. knowing that it That's could right. be our last. Though we
1: just—I—I I go days and weeks without ever thinking about
2: it. Exactly. I just refuse.
1: My brain's no, nope, no. Nope, we're just going to keep going until we hit the ground.
2: Unfortunately, I, it, it's my life. Yeah. I, it's every day for me. Um, but I think because I'm aware of that in such a profound way, I live life fuller.
1: Well, that's that was going to be my last question because every time we've done these interviews, I feel profound waves of sadness wash, wash over me. I'm one of those silly, empathetic guys. I cry at movies and all that stuff. It's not always fun. But the problem is that I'm, 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 I'm trying to relate to your experience. And like you said, you're confronted with these ideas every single day. You must develop uh, an accustomance to it too. And no, I don't no. want
2: that. To be honest.
1: So you just you you, you allow you. I want to stay. Empath- take in the sadness and experience it as fully as you can.
2: Well, I'm. I, I don't. I can't take it all in because if I take in yeah. the sadness, then it will. It could. It could consume me. Um, however, I find it very important as someone who represents or goes to a family I've got to go to my families with confidence um, and show some strength to 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 a a moment that that has created a lot of sadness and weakness if you will Um, so I've always want to be empathetic and have that ability to connect because that will allow me to be a better caregiver to them a better person for them Um, I cry I'm human I want to cry yeah, it's hard.
1: That's the thing is that I guess ultimately we're always looking for, does this make it easier? No. No. The answer is no.
2: Nothing. There's there's no magic pill that'll make it easier. There's no magic uh, uh, ritual that we can do that'll make it easier. Grief, death is a painful process. And just it's, it's something that we unfortunately have to experience. Well,
1: we're built for it. We are. We've evolved mm-hmm. to withstand it. I yeah. Mean,
2: and, and and we're we're built to survive. I yeah. mean, think about what we have been through. Um think about in your own life what you have been through that has created a lot of turmoil and and, and made you fall to your knees either figuratively or literally. But yet you were able to get back up. Yeah. It it took a while. You you came back wounded. You do have scars. Um but you're a little stronger now because you've been through that. Look at how we've recovered and have endured as a nation. You know, 9-11 really took a toll on everybody well, worldwide. World War II
1: is not all that far back, Any even of though we forgot yeah. about it. We're talking about a generation of people that have giant holes in their families or are yes. missing parts of their families entirely.
2: But we've all had to learn coping coping mechanisms to help us get through that. And like you said, it's a part of life. Death is a part of life. It's all in how and when you experience this, not if. And it's, it's said,
1: again, it, it, the subject... Compels us to think about interesting things we're one of the few sociable uh, species on the planet wolves, whales uh, apes, elephants, and all of these sociable animals without exception we've observed grief in them yes they they experience it in their way and uh, so it, it we should be talking about it it's a demonstration of how absolutely natural it is and how unnatural I feel it is that we just we we are even afraid to ask people about their loved ones after they've passed away. You know, you, you hesitate to mention a joke made by a father after they've passed away, and it's too bad. We should remember. Say, hey, man, remember when your dad said this? Yeah, there's going to be a sadness to it, but I, I've always experienced it in, 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 for me as a as a as a vow of confidence, I am, I'm I'm really happy to see that they remembered that, exactly. and I think that that's how other people have experienced it when I've do it. But I don't do it very often because I'm still afraid. Anyway, go well, to the National Museum of Funeral History. You were going to add something, and mm-hmm, I interrupted you. I was.
2: You. <laughs> I was going to add something off of the point you just made. You know, interesting enough is, uh, you know, what there's there's this concept that people may or may not be aware of, and it's called the second death.
1: I'm not aware of it.
2: And a lot of times, of course, people aren't aware of it, but if you put it into perspective, it's kind of one of those, whoa, I didn't think about that. And that is when the last living person who knew who you were oh, to the yes. family has passed away. And now there's nobody left to tell your story. There's nobody left to carry on your legacy, if you will. So. I think we as a society, we always want to make sure we leave an impact or we have some type of legacy to be able to tell our story. And through the icons and ash, it's an amazing way to leave a legacy, to leave your story. Uh, You know, what would you rather pass down to a family member uh, two or three generations from now? An urn full of ashes that the person really has no significant attachment to. They didn't know who that person was that's inside that urn. Or would you like to give them a portrait of that person so that not only do they have a piece of that person, but they actually know what that person looks like, you know, so then the story can continue to be passed on. And I think that's what's unique about Icons and Ash is that 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 story can be passed down through generations and try and keep that second death from ever happening.
1: The exhibit is called Icons in Ash. It opens tomorrow, Monday, July 15th, at the National Museum of Funeral History. They are online at nmfh.org, nmfh.org. Of course, that stands for... National Museum of Funeral History. If you have questions about Houston, PA, including you want me to send you a link to the National Museum of Funeral History, do it. I'm on Texan from France at gmail.com. Texan from France at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer any question you have. And I want to thank you for listening and caring about the issues I put on this show. My name is Laurent. I am the Texan from France and a proud Houstonian. And this has been Houston, PA, Houston's public affairs show, Houston Strong.